Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, so this morning, you can see we're set up a little bit different. And I thought uh, on Mother's Day, instead of listening to me, who's not a mom, I know, shocker, um, that you would like to listen to some actual mothers who are striving daily to show the love of Jesus to their children. Moms who have full-time jobs, raising more than one child, uh, I've probably seen the same challenges as you have. Single mom, adopted uh, children, grown children, but again, all growing in their relationship with Jesus as they show that love to their children. Now, with that said, the goal this morning is for you not to leave here saying, thanks a lot, man. I'm glad you put these four perfect moms up here and I feel like a complete failure. No, we want you leaving here this morning thinking, you know what, it's okay that I go to bed at night with boogers in my hair, and it's okay that my child has a tantrum in a public place, and it's okay that I've smelled things that I never thought I would have to smell before. And you know, to leave here understanding that you know, these moms are trying daily what I'm trying. Though it's difficult, though it's not easy, it is possible. This, the moms this morning on this panel have taken a huge step out of their comfort zone because they know how important this is. They know that we are talking about eternity. They know that in today's society, especially with social media, it is so hard. It feels like you're always being told you're doing this wrong, you're doing that wrong, you shouldn't, you shouldn't go here, you shouldn't do that. They pretty much always feeling shamed into you're not being the parent that you that God wants you to be and the parent that you wanna be. This morning we're gonna hear four different stories from four different ladies. You're gonna hear how these ladies all have the same goal, to serve God, to love God, and to take that love that God has shown them and show it to their children on a daily basis. For the men in the room this morning who's thinking, this is why I go to Mother's Day because I know you're not gonna single me out, you're wrong. And I mean, guys were wrong most of the time anyways, but you're really wrong this morning. Um, for the dads in the room, I have a statistic for you. 80% of children who go to church with, a mom, with their mom and dad, 80% of those children will stay in the church. Now they may fall away, but 80% of those children will ultimately come back to the church. It goes down even further if it's just the dad. It goes down even further if it's just the mom, and you heard me write that. It, the statistics actually say that the dad, just the dad is higher than just the mom. So, you, and if it's not in the parents, it's virtually almost 0%. So I want you to understand this morning how important your relationship is with your wife and your children and to have that positive role model in your child's life. If you're not a dad, if you're just a guy sitting here being like, oh, man, I'm really off the hook. Nope, you're wrong too. And you're gonna learn that you're always wrong as well. So, um, but what, I, what you're gonna hear this morning is how important a positive male role model is that these children who walk through these doors, that whether whatever ministry you're in, if you're not part of a ministry, but you are just sitting in this seat right now, that these children look up to you as a positive male role model to show the love of Jesus to them. So I really want you to listen up this morning. Everybody in this room, as these ladies come up, I want you to understand that it starts with one thing, your relationship with Jesus Christ the hope and faith and trust that you put in Jesus Christ, that's where it starts. Because if you don't have that, no matter who you are, it's just not gonna work out. And again, you're gonna hear this morning, it's not easy. There are many challenges. But you're gonna see that when you live a life and show your children the love of Jesus, 
that God will bless you in ways that you can never imagine, that his plans for you are so big, and if you have the privilege, I say the privilege and the opportunity to serve children, then I hope you take full opportunity of that. So this morning, please put your hands together for Stephanie, Lisa, Heather, and Bonnie as they come up. And as these women get uh, settled up here, you know, as they, as they were preparing, as we met a few times and they were getting their answers together, all of them had the same thing to say for the most part. They said, Matt, this is a lot harder than I thought it would be. This is, makes me very vulnerable. And I said, listen, there's no pressure. All your job is this morning is to share the love of Jesus to everyone in this room and that they walk out of here knowing that. So no pressure is on these ladies at all this morning. But seriously, these women have, give, have agreed to give us a glimpse into their lives. And again, our goal was for you to leave here this morning knowing that God loves you, knowing that your heavenly Father loves you, and knowing that just by hearing a glimpse into these women's lives, that we hope that you leave here renewed and a better understanding of your role as a parent, as just an adult raising children. We really want you to leave here thinking, you know what? Maybe we're a little dysfunctional, but that's okay, because it, it can happen. We can make this work. So we're gonna get started. I'd like you to get to know each of these ladies a little bit better, so we'll start with Stephanie, if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself. Sure, good morning, everyone, and happy Mother's Day. Uh, my name is Stephanie Grace. I'm 33 years old, pretty sure, and um, have been married nearly eight years to my amazing husband, Pat. Together, we have two kids, Kira, who's four, and Evan, who's two. Um, I work full-time as a high school French teacher. I coach middle school swimming um, in the fall, and I'm also a beach body coach. Good morning, everyone. My name is Lisa Jellison. I am 49 years old and a single mom. I have one son, Spencer, who is 10. I'm an occupational therapist, and I currently work with the elderly adults in their home. Good morning. My name is Heather Kiefer. I am 45 years old. Me and my husband, Calvin, have been married for 13 years, and we are the parents of three amazing adopted children. George is 15, Tessa is eight, and Zach is seven. We live in Mount Pleasant, and I work in the school system as a part-time lunch aide. Good morning. I'm Bonnie King. I guess I have to tell my age, too. I'm <laughs> about 40 years older than these girls. <laughs> Uh, I'm glad to be here this morning. I've been in this church all my life, and it has very special memories to me, and I'm glad you're all here, too. Thank you. You know, one of the joys of parenting is having those stories that we can look back on years later and think, you know, we're always going to remember this. Uh, and the, the coin household actually had one of those a couple weeks ago. The penguins were playing on a Monday night. Uh, they were down 2 nothing, uh, and they by my surprise, tied the score with about two minutes left. And I yelled real loud, I said, they tied it! And my three-year-old daughter, Marabella, comes running out and she goes, Daddy, you scared the crap out of me. <laughs> and that is something that we will never forget. I don't know where she got that, but I mean, it was, I mean, it sure wasn't, no, it was. Um, but that is the coin story. Uh, and I'd like to hear from some of you. Stephanie, you actually have a couple, but one involves a bathtub with presents, if you wouldn't mind sharing. Yeah, one funny thing that we've kind of done each year uh, for the last three or four years is um, we had some Christmas presents in the bathtub. 
when Kira was younger, um, we were just discussing Christmas and talking about the tree and Santa coming to visit, and she quickly told us that Santa leaves presents in the bathtub. We're not really sure where we got where she got that, but um, since then, that sneaky little old man has started to do that, and um, hopefully for the foreseeable future, he'll be leaving those presents in the tub, or at least until the kids are out of the house. Thank you, Lisa. Uh, it's Mother's Day. You shared uh, with me your favorite Mother's Day gift, if you wouldn't mind sharing that with us. Sure. Spencer has always been a kiddo that has loved to give me things that he found. Flowers, rocks, sticks, feathers, anything he found in the yard that was interesting. On Mother's Day 2011, Spencer was four. We were on our way to church. It was one of those rare mornings that almost everything went according to plan. We were actually out the door on time with no mishaps. As we were driving, I was telling him about Mother's Day. I got very little response out of the back seat. I think the only thing he said was, okay. We got out at church and we're ready to walk in and he takes off for the guardrail. He begins looking around and trying to find something on the ground. He then picks up the biggest rock that he could find. He handed it to me with a big grin and he said, happy Mother's Day. He was so proud of himself for finding that rock. So I must say that my favorite Mother's Day gift is a rock stolen from the church parking lot. <laughs> Thank you, Heather. Uh, you have a story about technology I think a lot of us can relate to. My kids think that I am old. They always ask me questions like, was there electricity when you were growing up? <laughs> and did you have to walk to school? Was there a school bus to take you? Um, the cell phone thing really baffles them because I told them when I was younger, we had a house phone that was actually attached to the wall and we were on a party line. So if you wanted to make a phone call, you had to pick it up and see if the neighbors were on it. And they just could not understand why you couldn't take the phone with you and how there could be other people in the line. They were totally baffled. Thank you. Now, many of you know Bonnie, but I think after you hear this uh, next story that you might think of her a little differently. So Bonnie, if you wouldn't mind sharing with us. I didn't work while my kids were growing up. I had the privilege of staying home and being with them. So I, I did take on, excuse me, a lot of babysitting jobs, which I still do today. But um, as I think down through the years, I used to pride myself on what a good babysitter I was, because I always had the child's best interest at heart. But this story will tell you, pride always comes before fall. And my kids remind me of this story for hundreds of years. <laughs> <laughs> One night, as I was taking two of the kids I babysit home to their apartment, so when their mom came home, they was ready for bed and had their baths and everything, and my daughters, Vicki and Denise, went along with me. As we went over to their apartment in New Stanton, we noticed the front door was open. So I made the kids stay downstairs. There was a big stairway going up to their apartment. And I said, I'm going up to check first, so you guys stay here. So I went up the steps and into the kitchen and checked the kitchen and the dining room and living room. And as I was going into the bedroom, my daughter Denise, who was probably 10 now, then spoke into the intercom anybody up there, and scared me to death. So much so that I ran out of that bedroom, ran through the living room, down the stairs, past the kids, and out the door, and got in my car. And of course, the kids came running out laughing because they had scared Amy. <laughs> Thank you very much. So now that we've heard these stories, we're feeling a little bit more comfortable. You're getting to know these ladies a little bit more. I'd, I'd like to get right into it. As I said, these moms are striving daily to show the love of Jesus to their children. 
Deuteronomy 11:19 says, teach them to your children, talking about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. We need to be constantly showing the love of Jesus to our children, no matter what, from the moment we wake up to the moment that we go to bed. So I asked each of these moms, how do you show the love of Jesus to your children? Lisa, you shared with us that you're a single mom. How do you find time to show the love of Jesus to Spencer and also take care of yourself? Some days it's hard, but finding balance is extremely important to me. Maybe because I'm a Libra. Hospitality is one of my gifts, so getting together with friends and family is one of the best ways that I show the love of Jesus. Connecting over a meal, just getting together, hanging out and sharing life. I love people and I'm a people person, but too much togetherness and I'm exhausted. I'm an introvert, so I gather my energy through being quiet and having alone time. My biggest challenge is finding that balance and not running myself ragged. So saying no to good things is necessary so that I can rest and have the energy to take care of myself and my family. So sometimes the best way that I show the love of Jesus to my family is to shut my mouth and take a nap because when I get cranky and irritable, there is no love of Jesus to be found. <laughs> Thank you, Lisa. Today, our children are just constantly being bombarded by negativity. It seems like no matter where they are, they can't get away from bullying because social media, they, and it just seems like they're always being, um, that's always being said to them. Heather, how do you stay positive with your children uh, and put that into their lives? I heard a quote the other day. It said, we listen to answer, not to hear. And I think that speaks volumes about today's world. We're all so busy and you know, somebody's talking to you and you're only about half listening and they say, what do you think? And you're like, I don't know, I didn't hear you. So I've been really trying to be present for my kids and stop and listen to them when they would come home and tell me about their day. And I also, as I said, I work as a lunch aide at one of the local schools, and you can really see the kids that need that extra attention. So I've been trying to also stop and listen to them and be a good role model for them and just trying to show them Jesus. Thank you. Uh, Bonnie, how about you? How do you show the love of Jesus? I try to show my children how to be compassionate towards others, how to care about others in a way that they can show them Jesus' unconditional love by maybe taking a meal to a neighbor or helping out with mowing the grass. Um, just do all things without murmuring and complaining, God's word tells us. Um, I pray that most mornings, and I'm okay till I get out of bed. But then it goes all downhill. Thank you. Stephanie, uh, you said you have a four-year-old, a two-year-old uh, at the house. How do you show the love of Jesus to such a young age, and what have, you shown, what have you seen that works? Well, every night at dinner, we try to say a little prayer um, before we start eating. It's a little prayer that the kids actually taught us. Um, some nights we say it, it is beautiful, goes off without a hitch, and it's wonderful. Um, I really say try because other nights my four-year-old, um, someday she wants to pray, other nights she wants to pout or sing a song or jump around. Um, other nights my two-year-old will sit there and he'll say the prayer without a problem. Other nights he digs right into his food and like throws something across the table. So um, regardless of how they act, we, Pat and I really try to model the prayer and say it together in hopes that someday they'll kind of pick up and we'll all have a little bit more consistency. Thank you. All right, guys, so this is the part I warned you about. Uh, this, it's, it's coming up, so listen. It's, like I said, it, it's, it's important. And you know, I'm gonna go against today's society and tell you that you are supposed to be the spiritual head of the household 
when it comes to showing your kids love of Jesus. And that goes against today's society because it's always like, well, well, the mom got that taken care of. And you know, I want you to understand how important, how just vital your relationship is with your wife and with your children. And again, if you're not a parent, to listen, this more, to, listen to this next part as well because you're gonna hear how important it is to show the love of Jesus to the children around you. So I ask these moms, how important is it to have a positive male role model in your child's life and why? Bonnie, if you wouldn't mind starting us off with sharing with us. Fathers, it is so very important for you to be a role model, to teach your kids that your love is so much like God's love. And the story in the Bible tells us that Job got up early in the morning to offer sacrifice for each of his children. How much more do you guys need to get up and pray for your children in the mornings before they go to school with all the things kids have to put up with in this world? It's so very important. You are important to God. Thank you. Stephanie, you've had some cute and sweet things to say about Pat. Can you tell us a little bit why that's so important to you? Sure. Um, For me, I I think it's really important to have a strong role role model for my kids, and Pat really does play a huge role in this. I think that my kids are really lucky to have multiple strong role role models in their lives. Um, Pat and I both come from families that have very strong family values. Each of our parents have been married for more than 30 years, and my grandparents have been married for more than 60. Uh, Pat certainly emulates this lifestyle with how he, he interacts with me, but more so with the kids. He's extremely involved. Most times he's favored over me. Um, He's never shied away from any parenting duty, except for maybe getting up in the middle of the night. And uh, oftentimes I feel that he's a better, more patient parent than me. Aside from Pat, the kids are lucky to have very involved grandfathers, a great grandfather, neighbors, and close family friends who are also there when they need them. Thank you. Heather, if you wouldn't mind sharing with us. I do think it's important to have a male presence in a child's life, but I don't think it has to be that child's father. There's a lot of great role models out there, grandfathers, friends, pastors, uncles. My niece actually is a great example of that. Her father was on in her life, and my husband Calvin and his sister uh, raised her together. So she has turned out wonderfully, and he was a great role model for her. Thank you. Now, for, for those men who are involved in children's ministry or youth ministry or in the praise team or in the cafe, Wherever you're involved, I want you to listen close to this next story. Lisa, you mentioned uh, to me some men in this church and the importance of having them. Can you share a little bit about that? No pressure, right? No pressure. (laughs) (laughs) There is no individual male role model in our home, so we are completely dependent on the godly men that have been placed in our lives. I love the consistency of the men in this church in showing people Jesus. The consistency of showing up every week, leading in various areas. Mr. Matt Fox, leading the little kiddos. Mr. Cameron for teaching Sunday school. Mr. Ray for teaching Sunday school and leading our first connect group and waiting with me at the car when Spencer was having a meltdown because it was time to go home. It was a long meltdown and he stuck it out with me. That was huge and it meant so much to me. I'll never be able to tell you how much. Pastor Steve for consistently leading his family leading this church week after week, and still taking time to talk whittling with Spencer and to give him a carving knife. Drummer Scott and Mr. Rich on guitar who consistently serve week after week. The conversations Spencer and I have after church and throughout the week are sometimes very funny and sometimes very deep, and they challenge me to get in the word and learn more. 
You are planting seeds for Jesus in his life. He is watching you and learning from your example. Thank you very much. As parents, we never like to see our kids sick or injured. And, you know, it's always, because when that, when that does happen, you feel like someone's saying, well, don't do this, do that, don't give them this, give them that, vaccinate them, don't vaccinate them. You know, whatever that is, it feels like whatever you're doing is the wrong way. So I asked each of these ladies, how do you deal with when your child is sick or injured? And uh, Lisa, uh, you had, when Spencer was uh, little, it seems like you had the hospital on speed dial. I mean, you have a reason for that. But uh, how do you deal with it? And what's some advice that you can give to parents that may be struggling when they see their child in that need? I did have the nursing call service at Children's Hospital on speed dial because my son always seemed to get sick at night or on the weekends when the office was closed. When Spencer was born, he spent the first six days of life in the special nursery at the hospital because he had respiratory and cardiac problems. He seemed to catch every cold virus those first few years and every cold turned into an ear infection. When he was little, he would run to mom and make, mom would make things all better. It's quite different as he's getting older because not too much with sickness but more with injury. I have to be really careful in how I approach too much mothering and pampering and he gets really mad at me. You know, I'm not a baby mom and too little attention and he tells me, you just don't care. So I tend to sit back and wait for him to lead with, Mom, I need you, or get me a Band-Aid, I'll fix it myself. Thank you. Heather, how do you and Calvin deal with it? We don't really have a lot of time with our kids being sick. They bounce back pretty quick, and they're, they're pretty resilient. We do, however, have a lot of ER visits. Um, Zach has been to the ER five times now, and actually the last time he was there, they gave him a gift bag. So just so you know, <laughs> that happens after the fifth time. Um, but he is always getting himself in, in some trouble. The first time he came to me and said, Mommy, my tummy hurts. And I said, why is that? And he said, because there's a penny in there. So he has done numerous things to take us to the hospital. I, like I said, we've had him since he was one and a half, and he's seven, and he's been there five times now. So you do the math. Um, but, you know, we've kind of learned through that that God, you know, gives you what you can handle and take it as it comes, and, and you'll be okay. Thank you very much, Heather. Uh, Bonnie, if you wouldn't mind sharing with us. Well, my kids are all at a different age, and these girls up here right now, they're pretty well raised up themselves, but... I hope that I always taught them that if they ever have fear for any reason, they know it does not come from God. Fear comes from Satan, and he can so easily trap us up when the telephone rings at 3 o'clock in the morning, and you wonder, who's hurt now? So it takes a lot of patience and prayer to try to believe and have faith at a time that might be very important in your life that you don't know what's going to happen. That is faith. We need to practice that always. Thank you. And Stephanie, if you want to mind chiming in. Sure. I mean, I think for every mom, it certainly is difficult watching a young child be ill. Um, I used to get a little bit more worked up and panicked when Kira was a baby and got sick. But now I just, I realize that illness like the common cold and the stomach bug are just kind of part of what life will bring us, but it's always gonna happen when we don't have time to deal with it, like yesterday morning, or have something really big going on. Um, but for us, we've, we've determined that rest, some snuggles, some relaxation seem to be the key to, to getting them better. I still feel guilty having to go to work and leaving a sick kid home with the babysitter, but have just kind of realized it's part of life. As far as injuries, Luckily, each kid has only had a few minor injuries, um, a sprained or bruised leg for Evan and Kira ingesting some glass, 
but um, luckily, we've been a pretty healthy bunch. Thank you. So each of these women are obviously here because they have their own journey, uh, their own faith journey with Jesus. So I'd like to just get a little bit of insight on how they have relied on their faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, Heather, you have a specific story about you and Calvin, uh, if you wouldn't mind sharing that with us. Sure. Calvin and I were trying to conceive for probably about two years, and we weren't having any luck. So we had gone to the specialist and gone through all the procedures and decided we were going to look into adoption. The more I looked into it, the more nervous and scared that he got, and he said, I don't want to do this. Well, if you know me at all, you know I'm not a person who gives up very easily. So I continued to pray for about three years, and one day I got a phone call at work, and he said, hey, I want to talk to you when you get home. And he said he was ready. And we started our process in May of, 2000, or May of 2010, and we brought our kids home May 25th of 2011. So we've been very blessed. Thank you. Stephanie, in terms of your journey, you kind of fall into that knock them out, drag them out kind of kid growing up, going to church. Uh, can you share with us how important it was to be raised in a Christian home and how you came back uh, to the church? Sure. Um, I, I grew up in a Lutheran church, and quite honestly, I didn't like to go. I was forced to go each Sunday and did whatever I could to draw or daydream during the service. And I think part of it was because I just didn't want to dress up either. Um, in my church, there was little to no youth interaction or there was not a youth group to get me involved in the church, which is a factor I feel in not really hooking me from the start. Um, when college rolled around, uh, I found myself never going to church for the four years that I was on campus. I used the excuse that if I was a believer, I didn't have to physically go to church in order to worship. But finally, after meeting Pat and when we both moved to Greensburg, we started looking for a church to attend. We tried attending a few other churches until finally coming here to New Stanton. Finding a home at New Stanton about five or six years ago was when I believed that I really found myself starting to reconnect, or rather connect for the first time to a Sunday service and a group of people who were like me. Um, it was through our crazy little connect group, um, the group of supportive families all trying to raise all those crazy little kids together, that little by little, I found myself getting more and more involved and adapting more to the lifestyle um, of a believer. It's been really one of the best decisions we've ever made. Thank you. Lisa, you've benefited greatly from a community of believers, which is what it's all about. Uh, and having those people who are accountable and vice versa, can you share with us a little bit about that? Sure. Hitting rock bottom and going through a divorce brought me back to God and to this church. Faith and connection to this group of believers has been huge for me over the past eight years. I would not be where I am today if it wasn't for my relationship with God, my family, and the people of this church who support me. I have a group of ladies who mentor me, who give me advice and encouragement when I need it, who are available day or night when I need them, and who are also willing to call me out when I'm wrong. I am so thankful to God for placing each and every one of them in my life. And by the way, I've met most of them through Connect Groups. Thank you. Bonnie, uh, just like Heather, you have a specific example of how important faith is in your life, if you wouldn't mind sharing that with us. I thank God that I was raised in the church and raised in the faith all my life. My husband's sudden death at the age of 57 really had an impact on me because I didn't know what I was going to do. Um, he just went to work one day and, and didn't come home. He died of a massive heart attack. So it was hard, but I had my church family around me constantly, my own family, uh, all the prayers. I could just feel them, and um, 
Faith is so important to you, my friends, because you never know when you're going to need an extra measure of it, and you got to be ready for that. Thank you. So being, the next question is, you know, being a new mom is pretty scary. It's overwhelming. And so I asked each of these moms, what's some advice you have for, for new moms if, if you're expecting or, if, you know, if you, if you have young ones? Uh, so we'll start with Stephanie, if you wouldn't mind sharing with us. I think I spent a lot of time as a new mom worrying that my kids weren't eating enough, that I wasn't able to successfully breastfeed, and that I was doing something wrong. Uh, looking back on the entire experience now and seeing that my kids are indeed healthy and eating enough, uh, my advice would be to take a step back, relax, and you'll know what to do. Each kid is so different, and there's absolutely no way that your child will starve or will turn out terribly as long as you're doing your best. We live in a really cruel, judgmental mommy world. Don't read too much on the internet because everything is wrong to someone, and just do what your gut tells you. Be confident in your choices and just love your children. I was really never one to wash things every time something fell on the floor, and to this day, my kids are a little crusty and sticky. Picked Evan up from the nursery earlier, crusty. <laughs> um, that just really isn't one of my big sticking points as a parent. Embrace the stickiness and do what you think is best for your kid. Thank you. Go ahead, Lisa. Um, relax and breathe. Don't compare yourself to other moms. Your parenting will not be like everyone else. You and your baby are unique to the two of you and no one else. You will not get everything right, and that's okay. Sleep when your baby sleeps. Give yourself grace and be gentle with yourself. God gave you this child specifically because there are things that only you can provide for this child to further God's kingdom. He has plans for this baby, and you are the mom that he needs, that he or she needs to accomplish God's plan. My favorite verse for this is the second part of Esther 4.14. And who knows, but you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Thank you. Heather? My situation obviously is a little different because my kids came into my life when they were a little bit older. So my sister-in-law gave me some advice that I really try to stick with. She said, mean what you say and say what you mean. So if you think your circumstances may change and it may be a maybe instead of a no, say maybe and just try to be consistent. Thank you. Bonnie, if you wouldn't mind sharing. Well, this morning I'd like to change this question a little bit and instead of my advice to a mom, how about to a grandma? Grandmas, we love our kids, our grandkids especially. They can do nothing wrong as far as we're concerned. But I, thank you for that amen over there. But I want to warn you about one thing today. Be careful who you brag to about them, who you boast to about them, because you, it may backfire on you as it did with me. I had a friend, a very close friend, that taught her grandson Bible scriptures all the time. Until that boy was five years old, he knew the whole 91st Psalm by heart. So I decided I was going to do that with my Izzy. Well, I sat Izzy down one day and I said, Isabel, I want you to know who's the most important one in all your life. It's Jesus. And he lives inside of you and he'll always be there for you and never leave you. She said, I know, Amy. Well, the next night, if I would have left to go with that, I'd have been okay. But the next night, I had a house full of company. And I thought, oh, I can show off Izzy now. So I said, Isabel, will you tell your aunts and cousins 
who is the most important one in all your life? Now, Izzy was three at that time. So she sat down on her little stool, and she put her head down, and you could tell she was thinking. And then all of a sudden, her eyes lit up, and she jumped up and said, Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, so have you, as you've heard this morning, that each of these women have such different stories, but they're all trying to show the love of Jesus. They found that some stuff works, some stuff doesn't, but in the process of that, they have grown in their faith with Jesus Christ. In closing, each of these moms would just like to give you some final thoughts that they're thinking this morning. So we'll just go right down the line and start with Stephanie. I think everybody in here would agree that being a mom is tough. Um, the reality and the pressures of life sometimes push me personally to my breaking point and I need to be brought back to normal expectations. Being a full-time working mom, a coach, a wife, and trying to hold the family together isn't easy. It's tough to hold all the pieces together sometimes and wear so many different hats all throughout the same day. I struggle often feeling stressed about getting everything done, how clean my house is, although I'm getting better with this one, and being present for my family while still being a good teacher and coach. Life has a lot of responsibilities and I'm learning um, about focusing on the fact that sometimes the not so important things need to take a back seat and get pushed aside. This is something I think that I'll probably always struggle with in some way, shape, or form. However, my husband is really the one who's helping keeping me grounded. He reminds me constantly that we're doing a good job and that I should be less of a self-critic. Many times I've been asked, how do you do what you do? only by the grace of God. Being a single mom is extremely difficult and sometimes surprisingly easy, just as I'm sure being a mom who is married is extremely difficult and sometimes surprisingly easy. There are good days and tough days. It's just part of my story. My biggest struggle currently is knowing when and how to let go of control, to not rush in too quickly and rescue, to let him learn to lead as a man should lead his family when there is no example of that in our home. He only sees mom leading and doing what needs to be done each day. When something needs done, my first instinct is to just do it. Several weeks ago, we were outside one evening and Spencer was jumping on the trampoline and I was doing yard work. Next thing I hear is, mom, will you come and jump, watch me jump? Well, absolutely. So I head to the porch to get a chair and the next thing he says from the trampoline is, mama, I'll get that chair for you. My immediate response was, that's okay, buddy, I'll get it. As I sat in the chair, I felt a catch in my spirit. He wanted to get that chair for you. How will he learn to lead if you don't let him? At that moment, I sure wanted a do-over. Later that evening, he was jumping again and at one point again said, Mama, will you come watch me jump? Well, of course. So I again started for the porch to get a chair and he said, Mama, I can get that chair for you. I stopped and I said, thank you, I would like that. I stood still and waited until he got off the trampoline and got me the chair. I'm so thankful for the do-overs. My success rate for getting things right the first time is not so high. So I'm thankful for grace, mercy, and opportunities to learn and have a do-over. Heather, if you wouldn't mind sharing with us. Sure. As I said, my situation is a little different. I became an instant mom. My kids are all siblings. One day, brought three kids home, nine, two and a half, and one and a half. And it was quite the culture shock. 
I lost 10 pounds the first week we had them. And it was crazy and hectic, but I wouldn't change a thing. Um, I think if you have family that can help you and it takes a village, absolutely take advantage of that because I don't think we would have made it without our family because, like I said, it was pretty crazy. But it's very important to have that. And if anybody here is thinking about adopting, fostering, please consider it. Uh, there's 13 to 15,000 kids in the PA foster system and 400 to 500,000 uh, state United States wide. So there's such a need out there, and it's been a major blessing to us. So if you're just considering it, and hopefully maybe with the things I'm saying will help you, you know, maybe take the next step because it is really worth it. Thank you. Go ahead. Okay, in closing, I'd just like to say happy Mother's Day to you all. Moms, you have a very important job. God wants to use you as his special agents in this world. I had a wonderful Christian mom. I am where I am today because of her. I saw God in her every day. I remember her sitting at the dining room table reading her Bible each day. She, mom was very sickly throughout her life. She had diabetes. And she had heart surgeries. She was on dialysis for a while. She fell down the steps and had brain injury. So it was a long haul for her, but I never saw her lose her faith through it all. Thank you. Thank you very much. So this morning as you leave here, as you walk out of these doors, I, my prayer is that you're filled with hope, that you understand how much Jesus loves you. That though it seems like sometimes it's a struggle, it seems like what do I need to do differently that these mom's stories have encouraged you and that you understand how important it is to show these children the love of Jesus. Because at a young age, they're like sponges, they soak everything up. So start at a young age because I promise you the sooner you start, the easier it's gonna be for your children and for the children around you. So one last time, let's just thank these moms for, for coming up here. Let's, uh, I'll close us in prayer. Father God, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you for this beautiful day that you've given us. I thank you for these moms who've come up here and have taken a, a step of faith, a leap out of their comfort zone that they can share with us, give us a glimpse of how they're doing it, God. God, we know it all starts with you. We know that a relationship with you needs to be the center of it all. Jesus, that you have come to save us, that you have died on the cross, that you have beat sin, that you've conquered death, that because of that, we can have an eternity with you. But because of that also, that we can turn to you in a time of need, that we have a community of believers here. Ones, like these moms have said this morning, that we might be able to connect with, whether it's one, two, three, or even every single mom up here. Father God, I just pray that if there's anyone here this morning that has just been touched, that they are not afraid to come to talk to one of these women, that um, we can leave here this morning knowing how much you love us, knowing your unconditional love. And we just thank you for being our heavenly father, the, the, just the perfect parent that we can go to. We love you and we thank you. In your name, amen.